Hey, hey. Um, <laughs> no. It's how I'm starting. No. Uh, yep. Uh, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise, Praise him. Praise him. Uh, Praise Dionysus. Uh, uh, to, uh, this week, we're talking about Ample by Cressida Bradley. And we're talking about the sound inside at the MTC. Oh. oh. That sounds really fun. At the MTC, by the MTC. At, at the MTC, because it wasn't the MTC. Well, the MTC isn't a venue. It's a company. By the MTC, at the Arts Centre. Anyway, <laughs> Praise Dionysus. <laughs> Hey, James. Hello, Jake. <laughs> Good and proper. Here we are. How are what you going? Start, what if we started using, like, radio voices? What if we, we started th- talking like this? Oh. Would that be nice? Um, I don't know. I don't uh, know if I haven't... I don't have a mode like that. Yeah, okay. Well, that was... Well, <laughs> yes, and, but that's no, fine. <laughs> oh, no, like... Yeah, but if you want to try that voice out... No, I no, think it's too boring. I don't like it, actually. Oh, okay. Well, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, I was thinking the other... Well, it's a, it's a thought that often occurs to me. Did you ever watch that documentary, like, Do I Sound Gay? Oh, no, but I think I know of the documentary. Yeah, that, that guy trying to work out why he sounds so gay and what sounding gay sounds like. I remember an episode on The Mentalist where they... <laughs> Starring Simon Baker and Robin Tunney. Robin Tunney. Robin Tunney from The Craft. And Empire Records oh, who to was a lesser the craft? extent. The Craft, she was Sarah. She was arguably the protagonist. She's the one that like completes the four. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Oh, I didn't realise... Well, that's fun. Um, um, what did you not realise? But they, I didn't realise that she was in The Mentalist. Uh, yeah, I don't think as the same character. I don't. Think oh, she you can. don't think? I don't think that she can cause branches to fall from trees that narrowly miss Nev Campbell well, in The Mentalist. Well, they can read minds, The Mentalist. So, oh, interesting. Mm. Well, I didn't watch enough Mentalist to know if she comes out as a witch. The extended cinematic universe of The Mentalist and The Craft. That would be a great Mentalist finale. Like, um, <laughs> in Mentalist, there was an episode where like. He, like, put a bunch of faces up on the screen. I was like, what can you tell me about these faces? And he was like, can you group them together? And she did. And she grouped a bunch of them together. And then he was Who like, did? This, this random chick he was with. I was, it was oh, but not Robin Tunney. Some other Maybe. Woman. I don't know. Okay. Um, and he was like, group them together in different categories if you can. And she did. And he was like, these ones are all gay. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Let's get them. <laughs> all got gay faces. Oh. <laughs> it was like about gay face. Okay. That's all I remember. Oh, sure. Mm. Mm-hmm. How was your week? Um... <laughs> Was that the end of that topic? Yeah. I mean, I think so. Yeah. We can keep going if you want. No, I forget why we started talking about that in the Mentalist. first Mentalist. Sounding gay. Gay. Oh, radio voices. Radio voices. Yeah, I guess I was thinking the other day, I just realised that I was like thinking about... Because I watched that documentary, nothing really stuck with me. All I really remember taking from it, not that I was trying to revamp my like talking style, but you the should. major... Yes, thank you, James. I'm aware that my speaking voice is on the brink of just being impediments at grating. this point. Grating. It's grating. But I remember just learning that if you want to sound more heterosexual, you should go down at the ends of your sentences. <laughs> you just didn't. <laughs> like the opposite of just that. So, yeah, you so, would like, talk, so you would talk like this. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'd, I'd, I'd talk to you okay, about no, how no, much no. I like sports. You're, you're doing <laughs> a straight voice. You've got to just go down at the end. I want to hear just go down at the thing. end of your sentences. Ooh. See, there's more heterosexuality in that. Oh. You know, because I've got no insecurity about how you're going to perceive me. Because I run the world. The world is mine. Yes. Wow. Exactly. That's interesting. You know? I think so. Which even doing it now three sentences in a row, I'm like, oh my God, I feel so much more certain and grounded and respectable. But unfortunately... Jake! I'm this guy! Yeah, I, don't like, <laughs> I don't like it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. No, but even your response there is like, yeah, that's part of this whole thing. It's like, I've read so much gay literature about the like the reason we behave the way that we do. And part of it is a desire to be accepted. So yeah, the, the reason of like going up at the end of sentences is the hope that the person isn't going to feel intimidated or want to like throw you at because of your weird gay leanings. You know, oh. so it's like, oh, I'm talking, but only if you like what I say. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I can't possibly hit you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, Interesting. Yeah. Gay but, voice. But imagine if we were walking around talking like this. I don't think I would like you if you t- spoke like that. Because I'm less fun. You're less fun. Yeah. You sound boring yeah. to me. No. And it's it sucks energy out, doesn't it? It does. Yeah. Yeah, no. Because it's, it's not <clears throat> as if you're like... I just imagine like it's volleyball. Like you're you're no longer bumping the ball up for him. You're like because yeah, imagine us having like one of our classic banter sessions, <laughs> which is what we refer to them as. Yeah, classic banter. <laughs> but we like spoke like this. And imagine. Was, ima- yeah. Yes. Jake, that's really funny. Yeah. It's like you're yeah. 
putting the energy down. You're you're batting the volleyball into the sand. And maybe it's that's on the why... beach, beach volleyball. But now I'm just <laughs> yeah, of course volleyball's funny. funny. It's insane that they make those Olympic volleyball ladies wear like bikinis. Oh my god, yeah, that's still. But a the thing, men get to it? wear clothes, which the men should have to. I think they should force the men to wear bikinis. I think it should be swapped around. You just want to objectify everybody. Absolutely, everybody should be on the table. Everybody should be on the table. On, as, you know, on the on the table o- options. You know, everyone should be able to be objectified. That's a saying. Why not? I want it all on the table. Yeah. Want all the options on the table. Oh, okay. You so know? in the realm of objectification, you want everyone to be just free game. Yeah, I want when to walk it comes down to the street and players. see any person and be like, yeah. That's what? A, you know, you want to be able to objectify anyone. Eagle. Anyone. James. Everybody. <laughs> That's a... In, no, in a it's way a that, great equaliser. But you're saying this in a way that everyone will have like inherently consented to this? Like you're living in some sort of utopia where everyone is comfortable with yes, being sexualized? Yes, I think I, think I, I went... I jumped that jump that uh, step in talking to you but in my head that's where I went oh yes. good because otherwise you've stumbled into the swamp of misogyny <laughs> <laughs> no 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 I think like I just want to see men in bikinis I think is what this boils down to sure and then it's different to straight men wanting to see women in bikinis in what way <laughs> I'm gay and oppressed that's right checkmate what do you have about what do you have to say about that atheist um how was your week Jake my week <laughs> move this one along <laughs> Uh, my week was fine. It's been a lot of like trying to do some uh, like emotional rebuilding from the show closing. Oh yes, and trying you to ripped your soul open. <laughs> sure. Um, yeah. So just trying to work out how to be a person again, mm-hmm. and um, and and the type of person I'm going to be. Oh, you know, because it, it did feel like one of those things where it's like, oh, I'm different now, and I need oh. to find out what sort of different it is. Really, it felt like it has affected you that much that you now feel like a different person on the other side. I think so. Like oh. it was, it was relatively substantial, like That's intellectually cool. and emotionally and artistically. So I think those things. Are... Do you think you'll turn into a less annoying person? I look. I doubt it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> because you know, oh, <laughs> my nature is still pretty much this. Jesus, <laughs> I wish everyone could see how much teeth you use when you talk. I. <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> yes. Um, so that that was something I interrogated the thought that like popped into my noggin of like, am I in an emotionally? Did I... Okay. I sort of determined. No, this isn't as troubling as that beginning of the sentence made it sound like it was really going to set be. it up to be tragic. It was like I was like I realized that maybe some sort of like I was going to say bedpost, but that's not the term. So the thing of like working out whether or not you're in like an emotionally stable place and maybe an example maybe for me is being like I know that I'm in an emotionally okay place if I don't feel capable of developing some sort of parasocial romantic fixation what the fuck did you just say to in me? the way of like so you know like parasocial relationships no where like it's a person that you have no actual interaction with so it's like a celebrity or it's some Instagram personality okay, okay. and it's like, lots of them and it's the people that you have developed some sort of like real emotional connection to but they have no idea who you oh, are okay, they've got no that's idea. why it's parasocial because oh. it's like you've got all these feelings in their direction but they've got no clue who you are right okay so you, can you, you repeat what you initially said so it's like if I feel like I am not in a place where I could fall into some some sort of parasocial romantic fixation yep. that I know that I'm in a relatively stable, in I some ways, I would say that's a very place, you know? baseline place to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So that's, th- that's just a thought I had. Otherwise, yeah, I, I, I put, put like a neat little, I guess I was going to say an epilogue, but it's not an epilogue. It's just a new chapter in the ongoing saga of book salesmen. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, go on. Yeah, no, sales books is handsome. It got complicated and now... I am winning. <laughs> Did we name him Bobby? Uh, he, his parents named him that. Oh, so we shouldn't put Bobby on the podcast. No. <laughs> okay. um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's a thing that I'll talk to you about in person, dear listener, if you're interested. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So out of five stars, I will give this week a 22 because everyone loves a palindrome and it's a friendly number. And Why I is could... 22 a friendly number? I don't know, because the twos, they kind of have each other. <laughs> and, you know, they sort of fit nicely against each other. And they're kind of like, like you know, it's sort of like round at the top. Yeah. Okay, that's nice. That's... And, you know, it's like it's like early 20s. That's like an innocent phase of number. Anyway, uh, James, how has your week been? How has my week been? Um, I wor- Once again, I'm, I'm the boring person. Nine to five, worked. I was sick on Monday. I had a migraine, mm. which was horrible. Mm. Um, that was rough. Apparently, mm. migraine is the condition... And a migraine attack is the migraine itself. That so you sounds have, ridiculous. No, so you have migraine. If you're a person who gets oh. migraines, you have migraine have as severe, a condition. Severe case of migraine. Uh, well, uh, yes. In the same way that you have, like, agoraphobia, you, you have, have migraine. You have a severe case of agoraphobia. Yeah, so you have migraine. Oh. Mm. 
Well, I had migraine. You have migraine. Not now. No, but you have migraine as a condition, and then migraine attacks is when the migraines occur in your brain. So not everyone has migraine. I don't have migraine. Not to get cocky. No, you would have your grain. Talking to you. Applause. (laughs) Thunderous applause. Um, So I I had a migraine attack. Great. Okay. On Monday. (laughs) Because you suffer from migraine. Because I suffer from migraine. Go on. (laughs) That's the peril of talking to a doctor. Wow, this is... (laughs) I'm going to pull you up on these things. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I had, I had a migraine attack on Monday, which mm-hmm. was fine. Um, and then I worked the rest of the week. I worked yesterday on Saturday. Mm. Came into the hospital. Weird place to be on the weekend. Not many people around. And then, yeah, today, yesterday I just I hung out with Flynn. And we, wait, wait, wait. Flynn being... Yeah, Flynn's my boyfriend. Flynn's your boyfriend? Yes. James. Okay. Uh, that's so nice. Uh, <laughs> you've got somebody. I've got somebody. It's oh. great. It's really nice. <laughs> That was good. Yeah. Um. And that was it. That was really it. And then today I have just got the tram here. Mm-hmm. And now I walked in the door. We've had a coffee. You and I had a debrief. And now we're here chatting. Yeah. Good to bring everyone up to speed. How yeah. many stars would you give it? Like I'd give it like a oh, twenty-three. Oh wow. Yeah. Your price is right, at me. I did. <laughs> twenty-three stars. <laughs> and the price is right. Terrific. Do you want to talk about some theatre? Oh, yeah. I, I, that sounds good to me. Great. Great. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, oh. Hi, James. Hi, Jake. <laughs> Hello. Hi. I went to a play. Did ya? I did. Yep. to see. What, it's a one-woman show. You had a play, did you? I, ew. What? Had a play, did you? I went to a play. Don't be gross. Okay. <laughs> one-woman show. One-woman show. It was mm-hmm. called Ample. Um, so it's a one-woman show by Cressida Bradley. Did Are you pronouncing ample properly now because you realised you were pronouncing it ample Ample. What, whatever I'm saying is the way that I believe I say ample. Why are you staring at my mouth? Ample. Ample? Ample. Okay. <laughs> you know I was raised by hillbillies. <laughs> it's a miracle I can talk at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, ample. So, ample. Yeah, so I went to the Butterfly Club, arrived oh. miserable, actually. What? No. I was having a difficult day, rocked up pretty sad. And yeah, so I was like, what's on the Butterfly Club? And then it's like waddled in there. Um, Yeah, bought a ticket, sat down in the foyer, read my book. Good time. Oh my God. Went inside, sat down, ready for ample to happen. Was it the upstairs or the downstairs? The upstairs. Cute. Yeah, upstairs, sat there against the wall because, you know, you know when you're feeling sad and you just want to sit in a big jumper and lean against a wall? <laughs> That sounds about right. That- I can't <laughs> say I've ever done that. Oh, what? you should. You should do it, and you should go to like a nice little like butterfly club show and okay. just like snuggle in. It was nice. I get the big jumper thing. I don't get the leaning on a wall. Oh, it just helped. Okay. Um, but yeah. So then, yeah. So then the show started, and it was Cressida Bradley, and she came out, and what? then what? I didn't. I missed the name. Cressida Bradley. Cressida, which is such a nice it's a great name. name yeah. Oh my god. Um, yeah. So yeah. Came out, it's this red-headed woman, and it's a oh. show, and I came in not really knowing anything about what it was. Like, I saw the poster, and it's sort of like, it's a it's a really beautiful photo of her, and it's kind of like labelled, like, crow's feet, and like, other things that people consider to be wrong with a person's face as they age. Mm. Um, it's like, okay, so like body image or something. Yep. Um, yeah, so then turned up, went in, and the show began, and it was delightful. It was oh. really, and like, really moving. Like, I kept finding, my, like, I was giggling a lot, and then, but I was also like, Often buffeting up against like the desire to start crying, but that's that's just me sort of like oh wow like lazily summarizing my emotional experience. But yeah, but she came out and then proceeded to sort of like tell us this story that kind of like wound through her experience of going through lockdowns, then also going through the death of her mother, and unpacking sort of like the things that she experienced along the way. Um, mm. And I guess I'll just like wander through a couple of the themes that she touched on. Yeah. So like. Um, early on she talked about the fact of like growing up around her mother who never liked her ankles was like a large physical shortcoming that her mother claimed to believe that she possessed. What do you not like about a person's ankles? That was kind of like one of her closing remarks. Of like, oh, okay. She says that after she, because she, she's done the show a number of times and she, when she comes out, a lot of people are like, well, so what was wrong with your mother's ankles? Mm. And Cressida, yeah, she was like, literally like nothing. Like they were just ankles. They're they, ankles. They were, it's just like, you know, those things you have on your body that just... You consider yeah. it to be wrong, but no one has ever given a second thought to. But wow. it's just something that you fixate on for some reason. But yeah, no, so nothing was wrong with her ankles. Do you like your ankles? I, oh, I, until the show had not really thought about them, but then I was forced to reflect upon them. Yeah. And I was like, look, they work. 
And I've never thought that they were bad. And I'm pretty good at spotting things about myself I don't like. So they must be some sort of good. <laughs> Do you like your angles? I, I, again, I say I've never really thought about it. But yeah, I think I have really fucking hot angles now that I think hot about ankles. it. Hot ankles. Fuck, they're sexy. You got cocky Oofed. fast. Oofed. <laughs> Oofed. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but she also talked about how, like, growing up around her mother... Um, how, because it also being like the eighties and stuff, she was like, she sort of ran through like a montage of all these different titles of diet books that exist Oh God! and just seeing all the different, different like styles of diet and the way that diet culture just sort of exploded. And obviously like women, especially, but now I think even like in the last decade or so, men have really joined the bandwagon of body dysmorphia and hating mm. themselves, especially in the gay community. Yep. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, yeah. She was focusing on the female experience of it and yeah, as someone obviously in the gay community and understanding the, like, at least like the gay male version of that pressure. Mm. Uh, Wait, you're a... I'm a gay man. <gasps> yeah. Man. Yeah. Non-binary gay I man. I see a boy <laughs> before me. Oh. Child. <laughs> That's because my... Yeah, no, I don't... <laughs> I'm a Sorry, man. Sorry, you're breaking down <laughs> in front of me. <laughs> oh my goodness. Not ready for this. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, so I guess that leads in directly into a question of like, what's your experience been like in terms of you <laughs> grappling with... Are you, you about to ask, What's your experience with body dysmorphia? Not with body dysmorphia, but even, like, did it... D- growing up, were you forced to be constantly thinking about the way that you were, like, too fat or ugly or... No. No, I, I was the opposite. I always have, I was always very scrawny as a child. Mm. Um, s- still to this day, can't really put much on, which mm. bothers me. Um, but no, no I, I think I was very lucky... Um, I've never really had to worry too much about that because I think I have a very inflated sense of ego. <laughs> uh, <if> you, <laughs> which which might shock you. But it's more forgivable because you're aware of it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and you have two or three more endearing qualities. But why Two you or three? Two or three, I'm rounding up. Wow, okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> nice of you. Um, yeah. Sure, yeah. No, I think that sort of buffets me through it. Mm. Um, but, but I am very self-conscious of wanting to appear hot at all times. Sure. Which I think drags me down quite a bit. I never really know what I don't like, but I'm always like, I need to look hotter than this. Like, if I'm on the tram, I'm like, I need to look hot. Like, this is it. I need to stand in a mysteriously sexy way, <laughs> and people need to think that I'm hot. Otherwise, what's the point? Right. Okay. That, that's my, my thing, I sure, think. Sure, that's interesting. Yeah, what, what about you? Sure. Well, even just you saying that, like, in the last, in the last week, um, I've been thinking, like... What is like, uh, like, I don't know if you have this, I guess you have the version you just described, Mm. but I guess I've got the thing of like, to strangers, what would I want? And not even, I, I, and I don't think I strive for this in any sort of behavior, but I think of like, I guess, I don't know if you have this like fantasy thing where it's like, if I could design myself from the ground up, Oh yeah. (laughs) like if I could just hollow out, like I'd keep my body, but have to hollow out all the insides. What would I put back in? The insides? Like, I'd, 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 I'd totally, like, suck out my personality, my oh, habits personality. and body language, just suck everything out and just leave my body left. Okay. If I then had to use that as the beginning point and then fill it up with a type of nature oh, yeah. in order to be someone that can capitalize properly on, like, things like, like pretty privilege and mm. on, like the things that you attain just by seeming confident or whatever, you know? Like, if you yep. just, if you had to puppet your existing body and with qualities that would benefit you the most in terms of skating through life more comfortably. Oh. And even, which is obviously tied to things like you're talking about, of, like, how strangers perceive you, because, you know, that thing of, like, people make so many decisions in the first three seconds of Absolutely. encountering you. yes. And I think it all boiled down to, down to the thought of, like, I want a stranger who sees me walking down the street, if they were to start talking to me, they'd be like, oh, he was surprisingly kind. Oh, that's good. You know? So, that's like, good. you're perceived on first glance, like, unap- like hard to talk to, cruel, <laughs> yep. really standoffish, yep. like, mysterious cunt. I, I want to appear as a villain. Yes. Yes. Like, people should be intimidated at yep. first glance, mm-hmm. but then you start talking to them, and they're like, oh... I thought you were going to be so mean to me. Because those sorts of people are so great. Sure. I love those sorts of people. I know a few of them. Wait, and partly because there's an inbuilt surprise? Or? Inbuilt surprise, but it's all... Yeah, well, I think it's that. It's just like, oh, these sorts of people can be nice. And sure. that always fills me with a bit of hope. Mm-hmm. I think if I could change anything, I would, I, would, I, would be a, I would learn very effective, simple makeup. 
Okay. I would, like that, that is something I would love to be able to do. Like, because you think that would help bolster this image? Like a fierce winged like eye, you know, eyeliner. Okay. Like really beautiful eyeliner and like some gloss and a little bit of like, I don't know, I just want to look. And what's holding you back from doing that now? I think like toxic masculinity. Oh, getting yeah. bashed. Uh, getting bashed. Well, yeah. getting bashed, yeah. But also like the internal struggle of, oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like which is still very much inside of my body. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you want to look like a villain at first. And then be just surprisingly kind. In the in in some sort of way, I suppose. Like yeah. I'm doing nothing actively to pursue that facade. Are ogres <laughs> villains? Uh, ogres, well, Shrek considers himself to be a villain. Oh, well, then you look like a villain. Um. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I'll take my leave. You motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, are there other ogres in none of the Shrek movies? We meet other ogres, do we? Well, I think we famously meet in like Shrek Four or something. There's like a whole tribe. I never watched it. It's the one with um. I think it's either Rumpelstiltskin or the Pied Piper. Okay. Um, and there's like a bunch of other ogres. Oh, okay. So there are other yeah, ogres. Yeah, yeah, There's okay. a whole bunch of them. Like, mm-hmm. there's, like yeah. Great. Because I know there's a scene where the Pied... I think it is the Pied Piper. And he like plays a, a little bit on his pipe and they all dance. The ogres do. All the ogres. Oh, okay. Because it's Shrek. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, moving on. <laughs> yeah, great. Um, yeah, so then she also yeah goes on to talk about how... Which I think, obviously, the two of us being art people, I think this is always an interesting... I kept finding myself relating to Cressida so much in Mm. these ways that I've just, like... It was something about the candor with which she delivered this entire show, and it was so honest and kind of, like... Not rambly, but it, 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 it meandered in the way... The kind of like a natural conversation does, but it was just her doing the whole conversation. Oh, that's so nice. Which And that's why... And it had been a while since I'd felt this way in a show. It was like... With me sitting there in my sad jumper, leaning against this wall, giggling to this lovely woman talking, I was like, if this goes for four hours, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? It's so nice when, uh, I, I think, like, to have that sort of natural ease on stage, to just feel like you're just inviting someone to chat. Mm. It's so good. It was so fucking nice. And mm. she was just, like, engaging, and she had this, like, her voice is really beautiful. She's got, like, this very, like, lovely sort of theatre diction. And I just love the way that she told stories. And, but yeah, so she talked a little bit about her desire to impress people and that being and it was a sort of mm-hmm. yeah it was a, a thing she kept sort of revisiting oh God. you know yeah, the, the, yeah, that yeah. sort of and the way that that's obviously manifested in her wanting to be an artist today um which yeah, i think does. is always just an interesting any, anytime someone interrogates the reason that they're drawn to making art it's always so interesting especially because like the world being what it is <laughs> um the pursuit of m- making theater even to talk specifically about theater like for someone to uh, escape even to get through all of your 20s and still be in a position where you have passion for and a capacity to make art yeah, and to make theatre is incredible. And it's, mm. and it's almost like it galvanises you in a way that like other industries have a way of having like making you do it as well through through the rigour of their own their own types of rigour. But the fact that you have to survive the, the capitalistic crushing and the, the, the fact of so much of what, for the most part propels you through an artistic career has to come from inside of you because it's coming from so few other sources, yeah. especially in like independent theater. Like if, if you give up on yourself, that's it. That's it. Because like no one other, other than whatever people you've surrounded yourself with or people that really enjoy your work. <laughs> there's no HR team that's going to swoop in. There's and no HR team. There's, there's, no there's no one managers. that's going to be like, if you've decided to give up on this thing, no one's going to be like, no, we need you to keep going. Yeah. Because no one needs you to keep going. Like all that's going to keep propelling you is yeah, the people that have surrounded you or your belief that you're doing something worthwhile or I guess, and or the belief that there's no other way for you to pursue happiness in a realistic way. Jesus. You know, so it sounds like Cressida's really got some stuff going on. She's got it together. I don't, I have no idea. I don't know. So you don't, you've never seen anything Cressida's been in? No, total stranger. No, but yeah, but I'll see whatever she does next. But yeah, yeah, um, but yeah, it, it was nice to sort of, yeah, see her at least like sort of like touch on that theme. Um, but yeah, but yeah, I was even like related to her in the way that like she doesn't drive and I can't drive. I'm terrified of driving. Either. Look at us go. Aww. Yeah. Triplets. Um, yeah. So that was nice. She also talked about, and yeah, I just, I, I won't cover everything she said because she said so many wonderful things. Do it. But she talked about how, um, in dealing with her, uh, mother's death, this thing came about where she sort of like got the ashes mm-hmm. and to not dwell too much on the, the, the mother stuff because that will make me too upset but the, uh, yeah. to talk about the her dealing with what to do with the ashes of her mother and she has this like little part where she talks about the fear she has surrounding like she pitches the idea of like you know all the different things that you can do with ashes after someone's cremated mm. and things like making them into a plant or 
like turning them into some sort of pottery. And then she talks about how um, if she made the if she made her mother into a vase or something, she immediately starts think, thinking about if she breaks the vase, how sad she'll be, or if yeah. someone else breaks the vase, how mad and like upset she'll be at the person. And I just found, yeah, I just super duper, it really resonated with me, the the, the fear of having anything that matters to you because it could just get taken away. <laughs> due potentially oh. to your, like, due to your, like, either own mistakes or ineptitude or somebody else coming in and not caring about the thing that you care so much oh about. Oh my God, Jake, that's tragic. Right? And yeah. I was just like, oh, it's so nice to hear someone else say that out loud. What would you want done with your ashes? Why am I getting cremated? You're not getting buried. I'm getting taxidermied. <laughs> into like one of those haunted mansions yes with some antlers on your head you can be a big taxidermy deer oh my god that is horrific oh my god is that a horror movie yet someone killing people and then taxidermying them poorly oh. into being animals oh that's oh that's almost um what is that that's a thousand percent a movie already is it like I, I'm so certain that premise has already been done. Look, is it called Stuff You with I'm, an exclamation I'm, mark? I'm going to Google taxidermy horror movie and we'll see what comes up. Okay. So we have, yep, a bunch of movies have popped up. We have Taxidermia, which is a Hungarian surrealist comedy drama horror film. Ooh. Jeez, that's a lot of words. They packed a lot in. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's also, uh, what's this one? The Taxidermist from 2018. Okay. Leo is a struggling artist who falls upon hard times in an attempt to save his daughter... He agrees in taking a job to perform human taxidermy. Oh my god. Yeah, what happened? It's Jesus, that sounds horrible. I need to watch one of these movies. Yeah. So yes, that has been done. Okay, great. Uh, but you could be in the sequel. Thank you so much. It's okay. Yeah. Um, so why are we talking about taxidermy, Jake? <laughs> um, well, no, it, it seems like, do you have a plan in terms of what you want you've done with your remains? This is legally binding, so speak carefully. I would want to be cremated. Okay. I would want my ashes mm. to be... Mm-hmm. I would want to be compressed into a little diamond. Okay. I'd want to be turned into a little diamond, and then I would want that diamond. I would love if I was put into a piece of some sort of random jewelry or something, and then I eventually fell into an op shop, and then I sort of clattered about between random people who then just sort of gave the ring to a different person, and it fell into an op shop. I don't care where it goes, but just that sort of diamond just fluttering about the world. I think that sounds fun. Okay, that's cute. What if you get tossed into the ocean? That's even more fun. That's more Bottom fun. Bottom of the ocean. Bottom of the ocean. Yes. Terrifying. Really? But then, like, your journey's kind of over then. No. No. No, because eventually the earth will do something that'll shift and the diamond will fall somewhere else. You know, it'll keep going. Okay. Yeah, I think that's fun. So, and so you're the, uh, the what, so part of the appeal of this is, like, the romantic idea that your journey will continue? Well, I guess so. Or you enjoy being, still being part of people's lives. I think I, I, I you know, look, I don't think there's anything after death, and I don't oh, think I really care what happens to me after death. <laughs> you know what I would actually do? I would donate my body to science. That's oh. what I would actually do. Really? Or to medicine. Yeah, take use the bits that I don't need. That's fine. Really? So you'd comfortably be one of those, like, those cadavers that medical students yep. are like... Come on in. You have to sign a waiver where you don't laugh, so that's fine. <laughs> that's a real thing. Uh, yeah, but yeah. are you worried that children will laugh at you? You're dead. No, no, I'm just saying that even... Th- Look, even if they were to, I'm dead, Jake. Yes. I don't care. Moments ago, you wanted to be a diamond pretty wistfully. Yeah, yeah, but now I'm, <laughs> now I'm actually thinking about it realistically. I'm like, no, people could use my body parts. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're good body parts, take them away and use them. Okay. Bloody kidneys have been working hard, though. <laughs> Is it liver, liver, kidney? Which one looks after your... your... Alcohol? Yeah. Liver. Liver. Liver's been working hard, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're my um, coolest friend, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm your only friend, James. Shut up! <laughs> so that's yes. what I would do. Great. Get, use my body. Chop her up. Take her away. Take mm-hmm. what you need. Yep. Sure. Did, did, um... Cressida. Um, Cressida, thank you. Did Cressida mm. sort of have any inkling as to what she would want done with her body after it was done? Um, I don't think she... No. No. Um, no. But again, it's, uh, part of the through line of the whole thing, talking about bodies, mm. was her gaining a confidence in her own body. And, oh, I'll just say one more thing. She had this wonderful thing that I never heard worded this way where she talked about... She sort of almost gave this, like, little mini oral presentation about... It was to do with her relationship with sex. Mm. And uh, first off, she mentioned the chemical that exists in sex, which I've never heard anyone talk about before. Like, I've heard about the oxytocin thing where they talk about why people get connected to people they have sex with because we were taught... Like, we were taught about oxytocin by these American people in high school that came in to try to convince all of us to be celibate and part of their like it was one of the most traumatic days that me and Luke McShane talk about all the time oh my god no they took us like one homeroom at a time to this like council building and these Americans came in 
and they were talking to us about how we should all be celibate <gasps> and all the reasons that we should be celibate. Some of them religious, some of them to do with STIs, yep. and one of them to do with, if you have sex, oxytocin will make you fall in love with everyone that you have sex with. Pretty, pretty, I can confirm that is not the case. <laughs> Pretty solidly can confirm I hate most of the people I've had sex with. <laughs> That's one way to party. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. so for that reason, I knew about the whole oxytocin thing of sex. But then she mentioned the, and I forget the, the chemical name of it, mm. but the chemical that causes like you to lose inhibition a little bit and you get worse at logic and stuff. So that's why people make such bad... During sex or after continuing on? Like the thing of like... And that's why people make bad sexual decisions. Totally. Because it all gets clouded. Oh, so that's a chemical. That's a thing A chemical causes that. Oh. Yeah. Um, So that was just an interesting thing. Is that your brain going like, you gotta fuck? (laughs) Well, well, I think... I, I wonder. Like, like I wonder, it's gotta it, be. It, it something. has to be something primal, doesn't yeah. it? Like it's gotta be quick. Forget everything else. Just make babies. Yeah. But so she mentioned that, and then um, she very beautifully like described this. So that sort of led into this idea of like, like maybe like an ideal version of sex, at least for her, mm. is presenting it almost as a threesome in the way that it's like it's you and it's the other person, and then it's also the you that is in love with you. And that's oh. the extra person that you're bringing to the table. What about the them that's in love with them? The, the other person. Um, well, I suppose that's up to them. them. Then sure, but I guess that's not a person that you can really engage with. Sure. Okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so with you, it's a three. That's fun. That's I, nice. I just found that really like yeah, touching. That's really good. Um, What's the ideal version of sex for you, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> Go on. That's an appropriate question. I the ideal version of sex for me. I don't know. Just with someone that I like. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Yeah, no. So, yeah, you know, just yeah, like something... Yeah, yeah. No, something you don't like, need to answer this question. No, it's just, you know, something nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Doll. Doll. I don't know. Uh, um, carry on. Yeah, no, that's... that. Uh, no, I, yeah, I, I can't just, yeah, I can't just run through the whole... All the content of her show, but I was just yeah. really grateful for it. It sounds like a really genuinely affecting show. It was so lovely. And mm. yeah, I just kept like giggling and crying. It was like, oh, I'm so grateful that this woman decided to tell these stories because, yeah, they were, you know... Simple and sweet and just kind of about like having a body and like being a woman and having a mother and growing up and the relationship you have with your body and with other people's bodies. And yeah, there was just, it was, yeah, it just felt honest and kind and a a, a really, as it was at least for me, a really helpful offering to an audience of people Mm. um, who needed to hear some of the things that she said. So It was ample, was it? It was very ample. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Is that all? Do you have anything else to say? No, like... I, it sounds like a really lovely show. I, I wish I'd seen it. Sure. Yeah. Sure. But yeah. No. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Next. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Done. <laughs> hey, James. Hi, Jake. Question. Hi. Oh, God. <laughs> Wasn't ready for this. Yeah, what? Well, here we go. <laughs> uh, a recent review likened you to Tennessee Williams. How do you feel about okay. that? Oh, God. <laughs> You're presenting it like one of the reporters from Chicago. Gotcha! <laughs> we actually both reached for the gun, so... <laughs> why, is she, why is her mouth moving? Why is your mouth moving? Um, oh, yeah. No, that was very nice. Um, it was... It's, oh, it was... Re- it was one of those compliments that it was embarrassing how much it, like, touched me. Yeah. It was nice because, yeah... I love him for so many reasons. I don't think we would have gotten along. I think he would have been mean to me, but he seemed... Why do you think he would have been mean to you? I just... I don't know. The things I've read about him and I read his memoir, I think he's just... Yeah, I think he would... <laughs> I just don't think he'd be very nice to me. Why, in what in but, what way? Like, ag- actively mean or just not, in, not engaging? Oh, I think he'd be a bit dismissive and maybe um, think I was a bit weak or something. I don't know. But this is honestly also maybe coloured by my own sense of self. Yeah, I think <laughs> In the way that, like, is. it's not as if I, there's not a lot of people that I imagine that I'm like, oh, they think I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you yeah. think thinks you're cool? <laughs> Shut up, no one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, no, just reading his memoir, I, I just, I try to imagine myself in the stories with him and I just don't... Wow, Tennessee! Anyway, this is a real fun adventure! <laughs> Shut up! Um, <laughs> nerd. <laughs> he would go up to just groups of sailors and be like, who wants to have sex? Really? Yes, him and his like, gay friend. They would just go up to them. I always forget Tennessee And then Williams one of the sailors... Gay. The what? I always forget Tennessee Williams was gay. How could you forget he was gay? I don't know. It's just not something I, th- I don't often think about Tennessee Williams. Oh, he's one of the best gays. I'm usually thinking about Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Star Wars. <laughs> You know, bullshit in space. (laughs) No, space operas. Sorry, carry on. Um, 
No, but yeah, so for that reason, no, it was really nice to be compared to Tennessee, Tennessee Williams because I like his sensibility and I like his sense of romance yeah. and I like the... He's someone you have a great admiration for. I admire him, yeah. And it's nice. To, and yes. I think we gravitate towards similar themes and I think we... He is dead, Jake. Yeah, how does that affect It sounds his... like you're speaking about him like he's alive. Well, in many ways he is. Oh. In my heart! <laughs> la la la! Anyway. Anyway, yeah. so... Okay, well that was just... Oh, I just wanted to ask the Tennessee Williams question. Sure, oh thanks for... No, thanks for spear-tackling me with an unexpected question. No problem. Anytime. Uh, yeah, so I went to... The Art Centre, the Fairfax Studio. Where's the Fairfax Studio? Which one's it's that? It's in the Eiffel Tower. It's in the Eiffel Tower. Is it the big one? The, like, you know, the Art Centre that's... Wait, what are you asking? So it's obviously... So you know the Eiffel Tower? Yeah. The yeah. Art Centre. Yeah. So it's in there and then it's... Oh, uh, for some reason I always think that's full of a bunch of different little performing spaces. It is. Yeah, yeah so, so that's your question. Is it? That's so it's question. the one... So you go in, then yep. you go immediately down, the, down those escalators on yep. the left. Yeah. And then once you're down there, you know where the box office is? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like the staircase on the right of the box office. Okay. And you like yes, no, slither I do down there. And then when you get inside, it's like like a circle thrust. It's like oh yeah, it's, it's almost a, like it's, one it's quarter like a, of a, a yeah, it's like a, like yes. a round. I do. It's, like a, it's the one where mm. they did that 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 one woman show where she was like, I met this famous celebrity, and now I'm going to do an impression of this celebrity. I can't remember what that show was. Oh, that not Pennsylvania Avenue. Oh, it could be, Jake. It was a long time ago and I don't have a memory. Not the Joanna Murray Smith one where the woman doing all the different impressions. And then she and she's the, like a cleaning lady and like she she meets like. <laughs> It, if we're thinking of the same play, it's the woman that was in charge of arranging meetings for the president. Nope. And we're she talking about different shows. And she's, oh, right. Because in this one, she did an Eartha Kitt impression. I'm Eartha Kitt. <laughs> I'm a pussycat. Meow. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> and now yes. I will talk like this for the rest of the podcast. Why do we even have that lever? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. She's saying, if you go away. Oh, God, and that, that was my song. first encounter Fuck with that song. That song. <laughs> oh, that which would be is haunting. Well, not really, because it was. If this... you go away, no, because it was this. It was this like a very talented white woman impersonating Eartha Kitt singing "If You Go Away." Mm. <laughs> it was like it's a lot of layers. Why was that my first experience of this wonderful song? Mm, and also, mm. I think my first memory of encountering Eartha Kitt as a songstress. <laughs> so okay, no, that was my gateway. Different shows, different shows. Yes. So in, in your the show you saw in the show I lady. saw, it was she was like a she was like a, just a. A regular average lady who just happened to meet a bunch of celebrities and she was just talking about how she had met all these different celebrities. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. But I know the Fairfax. Great, the Fairfax. Yes. Yeah, it's the one that feels like if you shrunk down the MCG and then cut out a quarter yes, of it. Yes, it's a quarter. Yes. It's like a slice, like yeah, a big yeah, yeah. pizza slice. So I got there. Okay. Went, yeah, so I <laughs> walked the fuck in, went to the box office because it was just like a spur of the moment matinee that I was in the mood for. Oh, yeah, you know. Uh, so I went to the box office, bought a ticket. In the process of purchasing the ticket from this lovely box office lady, she was like, oh, someone's left a free ticket. And I was like, pardon? What? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, someone's come. And their friend couldn't come, so they just gave the ticket to the box office. This never happens. You never hear stories of that happening. Well, because the box office lady said this never happens. Yeah. But it was like, yeah. So she was like, here's a ticket. You just got a free ticket. And I was like, thank you. She's going to lose her job now. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So someone's, yeah. So do that if you ever have a chance, because you benefit the Jakes of the world. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah. Whoever left that ticket. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Then went downstairs, sat next to... The woman at the box office told me that I was very... Like, I was going to be sitting next to the person that donated the ticket. Oh, But dear. I was on either... Like, there was a woman either side of me, and I didn't want to do the thing of, like, which of you should I be hugging right now? <laughs> so, Thank you, mummy. Yeah, so I just waited to see if either of them spoke up about it, but neither of them did. Interesting. The okay. closest I got to a conversation with either person next to me was as I sat down, the woman on my left was like, God, you're tall. <laughs> <laughs> And yes, I am, man. You are tall. Thank you. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So what were you seeing? I was seeing The Sound Inside by the Adam Sound Rapp. The Sound Inside. The Sound Inside. By Adam Rapp. By Adam Rapp, directed Rapp? by Sarah Goods. And it was starring, let me just make sure I get their names right. So Catherine McClements, mm -hmm. who's one of those like wonderful actresses that you definitely know the face of. Sure, okay. Um, yeah, and then Shiv Palakar, who I don't believe I've seen in anything, but he's terrific. Mm. So it's just like a, a two-hander, oh. um, which is nice. You love a two-hander. Love a two-hander. If it's done right, it's done great. Honestly, if it's done bad, it's just, it's just fun to... As I, as I said, you love a two-hander. As I... <laughs> yes, you've correctly summarised my opinion about something. <laughs> now I'm needlessly describing <laughs> the complex components of this opinion. I love this opinion. bit, I love this bit. <laughs> yeah, we know. I'm a slut for nuance, you know? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, um... But yes, so came in, didn't know anything about the show at all, which oh, was always, you know, that's always fun. We love. Sat down, show began. And then Catherine comes out, she's playing this woman named Bella, and it immediately proves itself to be like, 
as it proceeds to be, but then immediately comes across as being accurately <laughs> in the opening moments, she comes out and like directly talks to us as this. And it's sort of one of those things um, of like when you start, if you come in knowing nothing about a show yeah. and you have to start, as you and like you and Flynn do, mm-hmm. with, like before a show starts, you start making predictions. To acknowledge that you know who Flynn is. Well, you just brought him up because okay. aren't you, isn't it your boyfriend? No, it's fine. I was going to try and turn on its head, but go on. I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. No. no. You know what you love doing with your petard? Foisting yourself on it. I thought it was hoisting. <laughs> is it not foisting? I thought it was hoisted by your own petard. I thought it was foisted. Oh fuck! We're gonna have to Google this one. Oh god. Um. Okay. This is the. This is me talking softly to you guys while James Googles. Is it foisted or hoisted? Texture. Hoist with his own petard. Hoisted with his own. Hoisted. And petard is a knife. A petard is a small explosive design device. Oh, explosive device. Indicates an ironic reversal. So you've blown yourself up with your petard. So oh yeah, petard. Little, little bomb thing. So a petard is like a grenade. Yeah, like a, like a very early version of a of an explosive. And if you're hoisted by it, it explodes on you. Yeah, the phrase occurs in a central speech in the play in which Hamlet, it's Hamlet, mm. is discovered. Uh, yeah, just hoist by it. Doesn't really go into it. Um, but yeah, so yeah, to get back on track. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, the thing of like, you know nothing about the show, the show starts, and then you obviously have to start cobbling things together. Okay. And so you start looking for these hints. It's like, am I going to have fun? Because you know the things that you can spot where it's like, I won't like this, I will like this. As a show. Yes. So it's like, she comes out, starts talking to us about, it's like her playing this character, and the character like setting up, quite handily, just like laying out all these facts about her as a woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm like a lonely spinster lady who teaches creative writing. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Because Uh I, yeah. Anyway, obviously, the the lone woman thing, that's great. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) I hate lone women on stage. (laughs) And it's not the thing that was like, yes, women should be lonely. The thing was like, oh, great. Okay, so a lonesome woman. That's already like a camp figure of some version. You know, like, that's lovely. And it means that we'll get to hear a lot about a woman's feelings, which is always the best. Uh Um, But yeah, but then it proceeds to obviously be like, oh, she teaches creative writing. So this is probably going to be a play with a lot of opinions about writing in it. It's like, that is your favorite. It's kind of not at all. Oh, it's, okay. Well, just in the way of like, it, it, it feels, and this is talking generally, that can often feel like it's just the writer voicing a lot of opinions about writing. Yeah. Oh, and, no, I know it's not your favorite. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I don't really necessarily want that in my ears. Yeah. Um, yeah. So th- th- there was that concern that surfaced. And it was also the thing too of like, anytime you set your play up to be intellectuals talking about, you know, talking intellectually. Like, sometimes yeah. it can go amazing. Sometimes you get a History Boys. But then sometimes it goes badly. And I've you... never seen History Boys. Ugh, you can't watch the movie because James Corden's in it. It used to be one of my oh! favorite movies. It was one of my favorites. It's since he's surfaced on this podcast. Oh my god, James god, that Gordon. guy sucks. But yeah, no. If you don't know who James Corden is, it's a really amazing movie. I do actually know who James Corden is. Oh, well, that's, that's difficult for you. But yeah. the movie's great. Otherwise, just wait until they stage it fairly often. Yeah, yeah, it's always around. Yeah, okay. um, but yeah. So sometimes you get that, but then sometimes you get the other side where it's like, and I can't even think of an example, but it's like, sometimes when people want to make plays about intellectuals, it's just because they didn't want to have to like water down their genius. So they just thought, oh, I'll just make all the characters like professors so I can talk as smart and loquaciously as I want to. Yeah, yuck. Um, and yeah. But anyway, but that's not to say anything of this play. That's just why that is a concern that exists inside of me. But yeah, but it also sets up too, though, it's this ongoing thing of, and we've talked about this before, of describing things that happen instead of just showing them to us. Yes. Time and time again, quite interesting scenes throughout the show would happen naturalistically. And then you get yanked out for her to then comment on what happened later in the scene and then describe things that happened after. And it's like, write a book. Well, he's also a novelist, so maybe that's why he... And obviously he's also, this play too is about writing novels. So it's it's this neat intersection for him of his Mm. two passions. Um, But yeah, so it's, it's her being at Yale teaching creative writing and then this student comes to her one day and he's sort of like this like edgy, sort of like, doesn't like the system kind of guy um, who's, you know, charming for all the bad boy reasons and comes in and just sort of like insists that he talk to her about things and then they sort of strike up this unlikely friendship between each other. Do they fall in love? Well, not really. It's like a thing that they sort of like veer towards but then I, I don't know. When 
Obviously, it's a man and a woman, so you think, oh, are they going to hump? Yes. <laughs> and it's like, I couldn't decide if it would be more or less interesting for them to have it sex with each other. It never is. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's, partly because it's a story we've seen in so many ways. Oh my God, it's if like, I see one more man and woman kiss, I'm going to... I, I can't say that on TV, but yeah. <laughs> I still insist that A Star Is Born, the Bradley Cooper one, would have been better if they hadn't fallen in love with each other. I still haven't seen A Star Is Born. Oh, God. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, so they sort of, like, veer around. He can. He says that he's writing a book, and then she's like, ooh, and then she has a bunch of opinions. I'd say probably one of my favourite moments in the play, text-wise, um, and I say this just being like, sorry, I'm all over the place, and that will continue happening. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the best parts in terms of... So I was about to say, so in high school, in my music class, my teacher was like, she made us listen to this song and then she asked us to comment on what we thought of the song mm. and then she kind of ignored what we said about the things we said uh but then she was like but isn't it interesting because we were all musicians in the class and she was like isn't it interesting that you all seem to have gravitated towards talking about the instruments that you play and so it's uh, like oh so yeah. it's like that kind of like illuminated from so that is just an awareness i have when i watch theater i spent so it's a much really time interesting thing for a music teacher to teach you mm, That's, yeah yeah so it's like that, that applies interestingly i think to theater because like me being a writer for, like, for the most part i pay a lot of attention to the text as opposed yes, to other things would. and i think that too with this piece and this is a separate issue but we'll just clump them together <laughs> the thing of like they had american accents because it's set at yale and they're both american <sighs> there's something about an american accent and i don't know if it has anything to do with how well the accent is done but i think on an Australian stage, at least for me, when people are talking like this, oh my God. the text becomes something that is... It, it feels like the text gets deadened by the accent. It feels... And I, dumb. <laughs> like, it, it feels it, dumb. It makes down. me... Because I'm already prone to fixating on the words, mm. when you're talking like this which is done so deliberately oh, with so many corners. It. It's the worst, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like, it feels like the, 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 the words themselves are stripped of a level of complexity because of this accent that gets put onto it. Yeah. Partly due to the quality of the accent and partly because it hits the ear strangely mm. because you're used to hearing Australian voices. And so it does a disservice in my mind. And no, the way that I, I, I experience it. I agree with you. To, to the text. The only time I ever like American accents on stage is if they're either like, Mafia bosses, or if they're deep Southern Texan, <laughs> deep. Well, isn't that interesting? Because there's something about, Texan. and let me know if this does not represent your opinions. But the like Southern Texan accent, maybe it's almost the way of like, and this is the thing that I learned from my singing teacher, oh. who was like, the difficult thing about the reason that so many operas are in like Italian and like European languages and why they work so much better is because those languages and the Romance languages have so many more vowels. Twang. 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 When you sing, twang is the... Oh, sure. Yeah. So, like, th th those sounds... Like, th the sounds of European romance languages are more singable because of how many vowels there are. Yeah. So you can, like, your voice can go places with them. And I think maybe there's something even in the thing of, like, the, the southern drawly accent, there's more breath and air and well, lilt. Don't they say that this Texan and southern accent may have stemmed from, like, French influence? Like, that's where they think I've it never came heard from. That, yeah, that... like, Louisiana French. Like, mm -hmm. they think... There's this really compelling theory that the French um, language was used a lot in the southern parts of America, and that's where the Texan accent has come from. Oh, cool. Which I think is a bit interesting. In the way that some people think our accent came from drunkenness. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So back to the noise, um, the sound. The sound inside. The sound inside. The sound inside. Why is it called the sound inside? Literally, I don't know. Okay. Like, there's a part that happens where she's going through something. She's doing a free writing exercise with her class, but she's doing it as well. And then, so it's the thing where it's like, you have to keep writing no matter what happens. Mm -hmm. And what happens is while she's writing, she just keeps writing, listen to the sound inside over and over again. And she keeps repeating it and repeating it until it does the thing where it almost just starts sounding like sounds in a row. But I truly, and I saw it yesterday, I still have no grasp on what that was trying Listen to... Listen to the sound inside. Yes, I don't know. Even with all the themes and all the different things going on in the show, I truly have no idea what that was referring to. Like, the sound inside the room, the sound inside her soul. I don't know. Luby, I remembered that I've left a thread untouched. <laughs> so just, I brought up the fact of, like, yeah, yeah, so go back. this novelist, so she playing this novelist and professor in the script, I just want to bring up a piece of the text that I really, really loved... Which was, so she has this book that was published that no one liked, 
like some people liked it, some people didn't, mm. but the like the young student that she has unlikely befriended has read her like debut novel mm. and has really loved it. And it was just this image that I thought was really wonderful mm. of like this it's this sort of like absurdist socio-political story about this guy living in a town and he convinces everybody that he's going to run through a brick wall. And just tells everyone that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then everyone, like, builds up all this enthusiasm for this man that's going to run through a brick wall. The guy runs through the brick wall. It obviously doesn't work. And he breaks his neck and dies. And then the friend of the guy that is now dead goes and visits the mother who is grieving, walks in on her, and she's, cr- like, kneeling in front of her refrigerator, has emptied the whole refrigerator out, and is just, like, weeping to it. And it looks like she's praying. And it seems as if she... And the, the person that is visiting it, it imagines that she thinks that she's going to open the fridge and her dead son is going to be inside to greet her and that they're going to be reunited. Oh, my God. Um, and it was just, like, a stunning little passage beautiful. of text. It was really nice. But that's the thing. A lot of... Yeah, a lot of what happened in the... Wait, that's the story. <laughs> Sorry. It felt so like... No, no! <laughs> make that a story. I just, yeah, wanted to bring that up because that was just, like, a moving, nice little piece of it. And it was nice... To get an example, you know, there's times where someone is a novelist or something in a piece of fiction and everyone's like, oh, they're very talented. Oh, they're very good. But you never get examples of their genius. She's an amazing singer. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, God. And And the only recent example I have of that being done well was, did you see The Kindergarten Teacher? Oh, no, I did not. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I didn't see it, no. And she gets, she's a kindergarten teacher that gets obsessed with one of, like, the kids in her class because mm. he, like, writes this really beautiful poem and she becomes convinced that he's an amazing poet and yep. then she gets obsessed with this kid and, like, abducts him. It's a really, really great movie. Um, but, yeah, that's just an example of that having happened. Um, a small marketing comment. Oh. I found it, it was promoted as being, on the poster, it says that it's a gripping mystery. There was truly no mystery. <laughs> Maybe the mystery was what was the sound inside. What? Maybe, but that's not gripping. Like, so I was, and it was like that being truly all I knew about it. I was like, okay, because I, I, do you? I don't gravitate towards theatre in terms of like I don't want to watch a mystery on stage. I love it. I would love a mystery on stage. You love a mystery. I would love a mystery. I love a mystery in any context. I love like trying to figure it out, trying to connect the dots. I love it. I think it's great. Really, if it's done well, I think it's great. Like that's where like um, uh, the woman in black. Mm. And like that sort, of, like that sort of scary mystery is always fun. So you would go to like Mousetrap. You would go to yep. one of those like Agatha Christie. I absolutely would. Yes. Okay. Maybe not Agatha Christie because that's a bit too. For, to me, that feels sometimes a bit done. Mm-hmm. Like I would go to a new mystery. Okay. If something was advertised as a gripping mystery, mm. you would go. I would go expecting to have a gripping mystery. Great. Okay. And if there was not a gripping mystery, I would be a bit upset with the marketing. Sure. Okay. Yeah. MTC. <laughs> No, but yeah, no, no mystery, and I don't know why they kept, like, I don't know why the poster insisted that there was one, um, but yeah, but that's that. Otherwise, not to be you for a second, but there was um, this woman in the audience, um, <laughs> and this is not going to be an insult, but I found it, it was interesting just because it was a thing that I was constantly aware of throughout the show. There was this, like, this young woman sitting sort of, like, right in front of me, sort of, like, one seat to the left, and she had this very, this beautiful, like, Julia Roberts laugh oh. in the way that she would, like laugh jet like sort of had this like little cackle and then toss her hair back and she had all this like beautiful curly hair she was like "Ah!" and I was like oh that is such a beautiful laugh but it made me really aware of the things she laughed at so I felt like I was very and it was not a a negative thing but I was really aware of what her sense of humour was and we would not be good friends (laughs) if you're listening laughing lady stay away (laughs) that's really different things funny I yeah there's something about when you when someone's laugh is distinct Mm. it can really alter your experience of that show, mm. I think. And not necessarily for the worst. Most often, though, <laughs> it's usually someone letting out a real weird cackle. <laughs> well, so, but my brain sometimes really likes having lots of projects going on at once while watching a show. And if one of those projects is working out what little Julia Roberts finds funny, that's fine. That's just more stimulation. Yeah, true. You do need a bit more stimulation. Mm. You're a stimulated guy. Yeah, it's just it's just irritating. It's often can be irritating. It's irritating when those types of outbursts ruin moments that you were enjoying for reasons that they are not enjoying them. Like if you're enjoying like the soft tension of a scene mm. and someone decides that it's funny for some absurd reason. Oh yeah. And you're like, shut up. Stop telling people that it's funny. This is really moving. Why are you laughing? That that experience there in particular is something that I feel quite often. Sure. <laughs> like especially even like watching five stars, watching your show. Mm. Um, people would laugh at some really truly terrifying things that you would say. Oh, great. And it would just be like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Sure. And I, it's part of me, every time I hear it, it's it's that sort of thing where like, if they laugh after one particular actor says things, mm. it's always just feels like, oh, this is just your mates. Oh, sure. This is just, and this has ruined it for me. I hate all of your friends. Oh, God. Yeah. 
Sorry, you took you t- you tried being me, but no, <laughs> I'm I'm me. I'm I'm apparently you're, yeah, the villain. You're the grumpy one. Um, yeah, yeah. Fuck people. Fuck people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying. Yeah. So that was ugh. Uh, something that stuck with me from the show was talking about in one of her several monologues. She <laughs> talked about how she'd begun to feel like an object in her life as opposed to the person at the forefront of it. Like she'd oh, started God. to feel almost like she was a lamp in, in in kind of like the way that her life was. Sure. You know? I um, don't know. Which no. I thought, in the way of like... She's just it, not doing much and she's so, just at a standstill. Kind of suggesting that you're meant to be... So she's working a nine to five job. Well, she's got like a stable job as a professor and she's sitting there and she's doing her job and every, like every day is kind of the same. And oh, she's I... like, And she's like relatively stimulated by her work, sort of. But it's, it doesn't seem especially rewarding. And that was just like an, another thing to add to the list of fears in terms of yes. what your life can turn into being. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, because I, I, I've certainly never been the sort of person to romanticize or even strive for any sort of stability. Um, so maybe I should consider this lesson to be, I don't know, another, another tick in the box if that's the correct perspective to potentially have. Because yeah, as someone that has recently come onto a nine to five Monday to Friday job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. It can feel pretty shit sometimes. Sure. Mm. But there's something in the comfort of just having having that stability which allows you to then do other things. But it does feel a lot like I've got a foot in the grave. Sure. Okay. Like it does feel like, oh, this is just it now. Mm. Like it is just this and it will be this until I decide to do something else. Right. Yeah. No, I can yeah. see how that's terrifying because I really get scared of anything where it's like, even short-term things, anything that permits you to be able to realistically, realistically extrapolate the distant future, mm. really, really frightens me. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's probably what it is because I can now look down the barrel of my next several months and be like, oh, I know exactly what I'll be working and where I'll be working, mm. and that's it. Yeah, that, that's and as you say, if you were to change nothing, which you would be would able to do, it would just it would that just would be all your days. Would not end. Yeah. Every and it's five days a week. Two days off is not enough. Mm. That is not a human amount of time to have off. No. Human beings should be sitting in a field. Yes. Oh my god. Just like oh, sitting around fires, telling stories, yes. raising each other's children. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds we should nice. Be working two days a week and having five days off. Hey, that's more jobs. That's more Solved jobs. Solved it. God. This one thing. <laughs> I agree with you. Thanks. To, to flip back to the sound inside. Yeah, go this on. This one minor thing kept happening where it was like, you know those like snow machines? Put your finger down. That, no, I'm, I'm assertive okay, and I pointing. need to bring. Okay. You know those snow machines that like they, they are up in the lighting rig oh. and when they get cued, they sort of spin and they release that confetti like snow that falls And then under for the, the stage. rest of the show, a single piece of confetti will fall from the rafters and everybody has to look at it and go. What the fuck? Why is this now taking more of my attention than them talking? Yes. And there's the reverse issue that occurred with the sound inside, which is like, all that snow is up there, not very, very, like, not super stably contained. Oh, no. So So throughout... So it doesn't start snowing until maybe, like, three quarters of the way through the play. But until then... Everyone knows snow is coming. Yeah. Because once every seven minutes, one little flake of snow will come down. It is stag- It's shocking that that's not been fixed yet. Like, mm-hmm. it feels like there should be someone has invented a net or someone has invented a way to keep all the snow it's in. It's strange. It's keep a... it in a big balloon and then pop the balloon. These are the options. You know? Because it's a, it's a large moment to ruin. Like, if you take that surprise yeah. away, because it was, it was the sort of thing where it's like you intellectually understood when it started snowing. Oh, this is a beautiful moment. Yes. But I've known it was coming. And you know what? <laughs> For an hour. It occurs to me, Jagged Little Pill had a snowing scene and I don't remember there being any snow before or after it. I had no idea that snow was coming. Yeah. And that's what I had no idea. made it so devastating. Yes. As well as the rest of the show being perfect. God, <laughs> perfect. Do you see Henry Henry um, Oh Henry Brett. Yes. And then, yeah. I don't, know. Pill. I don't I never know if we should use surnames on this podcast. Well he's excited. He's in a show. He's, he's in, in a, a show. And he publicised it. I'm sure he's yes. fine with other people now. Henry Brett is in Jagged Little Pill. We're very excited. Oh he's so talented. So talented. Oh my god. Oh, he's fantastic. very excited for that. It's gonna be um, people. Yeah so that otherwise otherwise I remember getting really excited by yep. this part where. Okay. Sorry, I was yeah excited by you know when you're watching a show and then it sort of takes this turn that gets gets you suddenly really interested. Oh sure. It's like remember when I was describing nothing to you that the show nothing yeah. that happened like Alonzo directed it 
and it was the one where all the kids yes. had to gather all the They're stuff all the in white. town. Yes, yes, yes. And it gradually got like more and more depraved as yep. they were like, oh, I'm taking your scooter. It's like, well, then I'm taking your unborn son. <laughs> huh. you know? And then it's like, oh, suddenly I really love this play because it's suddenly dark Like and the lights turn red and they eat people. Yes, yeah, like, oh yeah. my God, now I love this play. Oh, well, what was that show where they were like at an office party and then someone shoots the rest of Oh my God. Yeah. What was that yeah. called? It was um, like the, the office party, the party. It was it was named after D- the Diana's that, party. It was named after the woman that did the shooting. Yeah. It was called like not Carol, that's the lesbian movie. But it was some I forget what her name was. It was something like not Sandra, but it was called sure, But you know the one I it mean. It was the one that Lisa McCune was in. Yes. And like the first for like forty five minutes were tedious. I had tickets office. with you to go and see that yes. and I, ne- I didn't and go then and And then I went see with little it. David. I really regretted it. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. Yes, it was like forty five minutes of tedious office banter and then the like the quiet girl shoots up the office. That's oh! incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. So, so that sort of moment. Oh my god. Watching Lisa McCune kill herself. Oh, <laughs> Spoilers oh and also God. trigger warning suicide. Trigger warning suicide. Tri- trigger warning Lisa McCune's death. Yes, <laughs> oh, that was fantastic. So go on. So what was um, the moment of this? So in this one, so the woman um, and the show has closed, so I, I'm not going to spoil anything. So she uh, sort of in her opening monologue, she describes finding out that she had pretty like pretty aggressive cancer, mm. um, and then she sort of flashes back, and then we get back to her having cancer again, and she makes the, the decision to kill herself. Right. Um, and so she starts googling how to kill yourself. And my ears just pricked up. Not oh, because yeah. I'm planning to kill myself, but because like, oh my God, this is fascinating. Yeah, the process. So, of, mm. yeah. So she starts d- telling you all these like results that she finds and the different ways that people recommend killing yourself on the internet. Yeah. If you're listening, please don't kill yourself. Yeah, Jesus, don't Seek help do if you need to. Maybe we'll put a trigger warning at the start of this maybe, podcast. Or, yeah, but yeah, uh, if you don't want to hear about suicide, it'll just be like another minute of conversation. Um, but yeah, so she starts yeah Googling suicide and it was just really fascinating to hear someone, this character that was very like decided in her choices and had outlaid the reasons that she wanted to do what she was doing. Mm. Um, and it was a huge narrative moment in terms of her attempting to do it, but it was just dark and fascinating. Yeah, um, that is fascinating. In a way that it's obviously coming at it from a direction of like, the, the, the discussion surrounding people's right to die. Mm. You know? Like, it wasn't just like a... like a Yeah. It was it was a woman who did not see her quality of life being something she wanted to experience. It wasn't suicide brought on by depression or, like... No, know, it was like, through... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was partly genuinely... due having watched her mother deteriorate yeah. and her not wanting to go through the same thing. When was this set? Uh, I think current day. Okay, Is right, my understanding? Right, yeah. yeah. Um, wow. Anyway. That's, that, that's an ear-pricking scene. Right, yeah. Mm. No, it was that. It was like, oh, God! Yeah. Ooh, ah. So should we have the? How would you do it, Jay? <laughs> I think let's not. Let's <laughs> maybe not do that. Uh, but yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. So that was my experience of that. There was yeah inter- interesting themes in there, and uh, it was fun to anything that like is celebrate. And it was nice for the MTC to stage a two-hander. That's really nice. There's something so beautifully romantic about any script, even if it sucks. Not that this sucked, but in, even if a script sucks, but it's celebrating what's beautiful about. The, the, the compulsion to make art or appreciating literature. Thing. It's like, that's always really, really nice. Like to remind ourselves that these crafts are very romantic ones and that's a reason that they matter. Um, mm. But yeah, but there's just, yeah. I don't know. I guess I kept buffeting up against the thing of like people describing things that occur instead of showing them to us. Yep. It's like do it once or twice, but like doing it this often. Really I'd rather makes me, see it. It's like, I, I was finding it difficult to concentrate. I was like, I, mm. why are you describing these? Yeah. Anyway, yep. <laughs> that's again, that's a taste thing too. Um, but, and I was glad that they didn't sleep with each other. That is good to hear. Yeah. That is refreshing. Because yeah. that is absolutely the way it most likely would have gone usually. Mm. Yeah. Um, and they also had two revolves, which was great. What? They had a revolve within a revolve. Why like, do they have two revolves for two people? Oh, because, I don't know, they were really excited about having the opportunity to put mugs down on one side of the revolver, then the revolve would spin towards someone that needed the mugs. Oh, like a, a lazy, lazy Susan. Susan. Okay, it's a lazy Jesus Susan. Christ. Okay. Yeah, no, but you know. That's where the MTC money's going. <laughs> Revolves. <laughs> um, final thought on this show. There was this very, like, sorry, James suddenly has the hiccups. <laughs> hiccups so if you so hear sorry. a hiccup, <laughs> so sorry. it's not because there's a fat kid in the corner. This is an adult man with a hiccup. Why do fat kids have hiccups? Because they eat too fast. Is that how you get hiccups? I haven't eaten anything. Oh, well, maybe it's... There are other ways to get oh, hiccups. God, maybe it's some sort of curse. Hmm. Go on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, if you're a circle of girls in a, in a room somewhere... Please stop. <laughs> it's worked. Please stop. <laughs> um, there was this very strange moment that happened, and I don't know if... if if it was because the poster told us it was a mystery or what, or if we were like, we were all hungry for some sort of plot development. But this scene happened where, and it's too convoluted to explain the details of it, but it's essentially the young man describing his novel to the protagonist lady. Okay. But throughout, for several, you know, script reasons, 
we're, we're all kind of like on the edge of our seats just in terms of like, oh my God, this really feels like a twist is coming. A twist is really on its way. Oh, it's going to be because, here soon. Oh my God. You are, oh, and it kept being like, oh, oh my, shna, fuck. It's like, what is that? Oh, oh, and then it's like, we sort of got to the end of the scene and then got to the end of the play. And it really felt like none of the twists were real. <laughs> so were they twists then? Well, that's it. so it's like somehow throughout oh this. Oh my God. Sorry. <laughs> he's still hiccuping. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> let him free <laughs> um, <laughs> break the circle as a board light as a feather and stiff as a board go on um, so throughout oh, this God. probably like 7 to 10 minute scene of him outlining this plot which is imbued with all this potential to really change our understanding of these characters and what the play even is like there are moments where you're like is she his mother you're thinking is he a murderer is she a ghost is she a ghost you're thinking like oh my god has this been inside this book the whole time and it's oh about to be revealed oh my god that, that would have been a good twist these were the potential twists oh. that this like this this monologue were presenting to us at the end of it it's like Oh, none of that was the case. <laughs> I'm just a teacher. I'm just a teacher. But we'd been like teased uh, this entire time, and it was like, ah, oh, yes, do it. <laughs> just pick one. Just, just hit the button. That seems a bit. But it was really interesting though, because then like the play continued for a little bit, and then the play ended, and then as yeah, plays do, as they tend to do, the good ones always end. <laughs> and then, but yeah, went into the foyer, and then I consciously stuck around afterwards to hear what people were saying because I don't know. Um, Did you hear anything interesting? And it was, I just heard over and over again this thing about like, oh, I thought that it was going to really take a turn for a second there. Oh, so multiple I heard all these options coming out of people's mouths and it seemed like that's, that was the first thing they wanted to talk about was about how the play was almost really surprising. You and I have spoken (laughs) about, if you can think of something that is more interesting and engaging than what you just saw that's not great (laughs) well but also maybe is there something in the fact of that art getting you to a creative place where you've invented that uh i mean maybe if it's it's come from a place of creative writing that's actually not a bad point you know well and i also think too of like if (laughs) he's still hiccuping um the thought of like if art gets you in the mood to create art yourself which i think that is almost a version of like if it gets Mm. you even if it gets you to understand the world to an extent where you feel comfortable playing with the fabric of that world and like they've established the reality of it to an extent that you can see these potential twists, you can chart these realities, you can ha- you can manufacture these turning points when they've just given you kind of like the building blocks of it. Yeah. Like that's a credit to the, the craftsmanship of the, the, the reality of the piece. It sounds like it's a good, it sounds like it's a really good play for students to look at as well for that reason. Sure. Sure. Like like the theatre studies year twelves. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, sorry, these moans are him coping with the hiccups. It's really quite painful. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, the oh, God. <laughs> okay, I think <laughs> um, I'm going to have to perform some sort of exorcism. So yeah. let's let's stop talking about the sound inside. Okay. Now, um, do you want to hear the sound inside? It's that. Oh God, hiccups. Embarrassing. No. Amazing. Amazing. Great. We okay. did it. We got another week. Another week. Another week. <laughs> Praise Dionysus. Praise him. <laughs> Still got the I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dionysus. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> Dionysus, please don't please. crush him. <laughs> he doesn't mean to hiccup while praising Dionysus you. Dionysus is too drunk. Oh, God. Jesus. Mm. Um, uh, oh, 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 my God. Okay, I guess I'll take the reins on this too well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So let us know if you're doing anything. Give us tickets and we'll come to it and then we'll talk about it. Yes, yeah, start with begging for tickets. That's great. That's, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> hey, so give us tickets, please. I, I'm happy to debase myself. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, so yeah, let us know um, if you want us there and we'll be there. Uh, otherwise, we've got an email address, which is praisedionysis at gmail.com. If we you, also have an Instagram. Yep, it is praisedionysis. You can um, message us. Message us, yeah. Um, yeah, otherwise, uh, friends, don't let friends become theatre critics. Yeah, and if and we've said anything that we don't agree with, we probably don't agree with it already. That's how you're going to word that? I'm hiccuping. I'm sort of barely getting this out between the hiccups. <laughs> we may already disagree with things that we just said. Oh. James has the hiccups. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is not how I wanted it to go. <laughs> That's that on that. Spell <laughs>